0: And here's where I want to go this morning. And here's where we've been this whole series. Is that I run into people who think the same thing when it comes to those heroes of our biblical faith. Right, right. We, we put them up on such high regard and we look at them as attaining this status or, or power or this level that we ourselves could never experience. And, and you know, that's just not true. You see, truth is, every person in the Bible, every hero that we talk about, every story that we share, every life that seems like it's just on this different level of existence, man, it was a life that was just like ours. Man, it was filled with fear and struggles and pain, but it was also filled with great faith. And that great faith is what allowed God to work and what what enabled them to become those great heroes that we still talk about today. And the truth is, and what I've been saying this whole time, is that those kind of stories are available for you. Those kind of stories are available to me. God can do the same thing through us. We can be those heroes of faith. And, you know, that, that, that sounds great. And, and you, you know, you hear sermons like this, and you're like, I understand. And I know James says that Elijah was just a man, and yet he became this great prophet and this great example. And, you know, the, the, that means that I can too. And I hear that preacher, and, I know, and maybe we even leave and we get fired up and we want to do our best for God and we want to give our all for his glory. But what I've noticed is over time, when we take that courageous stand over and over again, when we try to move forward, is that slaying giants, like we talked about last week, is tough, and it takes a lot of determination. In fact, here's what I've discovered. I've discovered this, this great truth. Life is hard. <laughs> Life is just hard. Hard. And not only is life hard, but it can be disappointing. Because as soon as I muster the courage and the strength, and I'm like, you know what, I, I'm going to live out my faith, and, and maybe God can use me, and I can become that great hero of faith. You know, I want to be remembered for my faith. Like, I want to be somebody that my, my kids look up to, and that my family, you know, admires for their faith. But as soon as we, we muster the courage, man, it's almost like we run up, like we said last week, we run up into a giant. And then once we knock that giant down, we run into another one, and then into another one, into another one. And what I've noticed is that as, as great as our intentions are, the people that continue to move forward, once they hit that failure, once they have that huge loss, or once they, once they take that gigantic step in the wrong direction, what they do is when it happens a, a lot, so we're all the same. We kind of just pull into our shells. And it's easy to want to isolate ourselves. And it's easy. It's so easy just to want to give up. And just say, God, I just can't, God, I just can't. You know, even the things that we pray for, even the things that make perfect sense to us, you know, even the the things that we think this should happen and this is logical how this should work out, and then when they don't, and when things come crashing down, that's when it just gets hard. Doesn't it? And we know what that's like. But on the other hand, I'm always amazed at the people that no matter what life throws at them, man, they just get right back up and they just keep going. They just get right back in the game. And there's this, there's this amazing resilience that happens in their life. You know, there's a guy in the, in the Bible named Paul. Paul had a lot of this happen in his life. A lot of giants that he faced in front of him. A lot of times that he got knocked down. But he had the ability, this, this ability to ability just to keep his eye on the prize, even when everybody else told him to give up. He just kept fighting giants over and over and over again. In fact, he writes this in 2 Corinthians. This is our first piece of scripture this morning. Paul says this. He says, we often suffer. He's lumping himself into this. He's acknowledging this for the church. Everybody around, yes, we suffer, but guess what? We're not crushed. Even when we don't know what to do, we never give up. Even in times of trouble, God is with us, and when we're knocked down, guess what? We get up. Man, I love it. I love this verse that comes from, so here's my question this morning, because when life just keeps coming, and just keeps hitting, and just keeps knocking you down, where do you get some of this? Like, where does this come from, right? Where do you find that kind of courage, that kind of resilience, because that's what heroes are made of. I was thinking about this message today, I immediately thought about one of our members, uh, Lexi McRae. Many of you know of her battle of osteosarcoma. I'm not sure if you're even aware of this, um, but she had surgery on Friday again. And she's doing great. She's doing great. She's in recovery. Please pray for her and her family that God would just heal her from all of this. But it looks like she's going to be in recovery for about seven days up in Atlanta. And, and you know, you do you know what she said when the doctor said seven days? She looked back at the doctor and she said, I'll be out in five. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Y'all, this is a 13-year-old that we're talking about this face, chemo, radiation, multiple surgeries, and now to be back at it again, hitting another giant to have another surgery and to have That type of determination. I don't know about you, but that's what I call a hero. Where do you get that kind of resilience? Right, I want, she speaks, to, she ministers to me. I want that kind of courage to keep going. Right, and I want that for you as well. So today, let's talk about having the courage to keep going, even when the going gets tough. Even when it's like you're just facing one thing after another after another. And there's a great story in the Old Testament. It's my one of my favorite people. I'm just hitting my favorite heroes in scripture. We talked about David. Today we're going to talk about Elijah. Elijah was considered to be by the most awesomest prophet that ever lived. Okay? He was amazing. In fact, there's this time when Jesus was transfigured. Some of y'all know this story in the New Testament. Jesus takes a few of his disciples up on a mountaintop, and he's transfigured. You get to see his glory, and this is this amazing moment. And there's two people that appear with Jesus. One of them, we understand now, one of them was to represent the law. Do you know who that was? It was Moses. And then one would represent the prophets. Now, if you had to pick a, pro- a prophet in all of Old Testament to represent all prophets of all time, who would you pick? it was elijah so there transfigured with jesus was these two and elijah was huge he had some of the most dramatic stories in the old testament amazing miracles but there was this time after everything that he had done after all the miracles that he had accomplished that he hit this low point he was overwhelmed he wanted to give up he, he desperately needed to find some courage to keep going. And that's what we're going to talk about today. It comes from First Kings chapter 19. We're going to read portions of this text. I want you to go home and just read First Kings 19 on your own and just see this interaction that goes between Elijah and God. We're going to talk a little bit about this. But let me set this story up. Okay, just before we get to chapter 19, we have this famous battle between Elijah, one prophet, against hundreds and hundreds of false prophets to the god Baal, okay? So, Queen Jezebel and King Ahab had sanctioned this, you know, tried to, tried to do a national religion, and they had all these prophets working for them, and they all worshipped this false god, Baal. So, one day, Elijah puts them to the test, and he says, let's have a test. Let's see whose god is for real, I'm going to call fire down from heaven. I'm going to ask my God. Y'all call fire down from heaven. You ask your God. And the one that does it wins. And if you don't know the story, I'll ruin the ending of it. Of course, Elijah wins because our God is awesome. Duh, right? That's just how it works. I mean, there's more to the story. You can go home and read it. But Elijah, as soon as God wins, and Elijah has done this, you know what he does? He has all those false prophets put to death. For leading everyone astray. Now this is, sounds like it's good news until Queen Jezebel hears about it. Queen Jezebel goes crazy. She's so upset because these are her prophets. This is her God. This is kind of one of the ways they unite this kingdom is by worshiping this. and now all the prophets are, are dead. And so she sends word to Elijah, and he said, she says this. she says, "Listen, I'm going to kill you by the end of the day. You're done." And Elijah gets scared and he runs for his life. And that's where we pick up the story. Verse 4. Elijah's running for his life. And he says this. He sat down under a solitary broom tree. And he prayed that he would die. Have you ever been there before? Ever been in those moments where everything where it seems like everything's crashing down? And he says, I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. For I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. So what gets me is that it's hard sometimes. Because we look at these prophets and you're like, but yeah, but, 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 but Elijah, don't you, just, don't you remember what just happened? Don't you remember all the miracles that have happened before and how God just called fire down? How are you at this place now, right? I think we know what that's like. I, I, I think that we know that we get so caught up in what's happening in the present that we forget what happened in the past what God has done. And he's scared for good reason. Queen Queen Jezebel is a bad character. Okay? Uh, he's scared for good reason. She's already trying she is already trying to kill all the prophets of God. Like all the prophets of God outside of Elijah are in hiding. Okay. Not only that, but she she loved this guy's vineyard so much that she created this this scheme to get and had him put to death just so she could get his vineyard. Y'all, this, this lady is crazy. Okay, she's crazy, and she's after. Y'all may have heard that Naboth vineyard story, and now she's after Elijah. And Elijah knows what she's capable of. She's threatened his life. I don't really think that she wants a showdown with him because of what's just happened with the fire. I think she just I think she just wants to run Elijah out of town. And you know what? Guess what? It works. Elijah runs to the bottom of Israel near a place called Beersheba. And his emotions are running high. He doesn't know what to do. He just wants it all to stop. God, I just don't know if I can take any more of this. That's where I want to take us this morning. That's where I, I want to give you four things today that we can learn from Elijah, okay? Four things that will help us have the courage that we need to keep moving forward. Four things that we learn from his story. And th- this is the first thing I want you to know. Number 1, you got to tell God how you feel. When you're in that moment, you got to tell God how you feel. Okay, seriously, you just got to vent. You just got to get it out. You just got to let out all that frustration. Let God know it. So so back to the story, where Elijah is in this moment God speaks, and there's this conversation that happens between the two of them. And God actually asks Elijah. He's like, Elijah, why are you here? He knows. But he's entering into this conversation with Elijah. Elijah, why are you here? Verse 10, look what Elijah says. Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel... They're the ones that broke their covenant with you. They're the ones that torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. He's talking about all those prophets that Jezebel and everybody's trying to put to death, including himself. He says, I am the only one left, which isn't true. There's still others, but he feels like he's the only one left. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And you can feel, you can just hear the frustration in his voice. You can just feel the depth of where this is coming from. In fact, not only does he say this once, but he repeats it to God again. He says almost the same thing and he's almost like he's saying, God, I really want you to know what I'm going through here. And you know what happens is that when Elijah opens up and he talks to God, you know what God does? God comes really close to Elijah. In fact, you may know this story. You may know where this story is going, but he gets so close to Elijah that he whispers to him. You see, what that tells me is that when Elijah starts expressing himself, really taking his, what he's feeling to God, God doesn't draw away, but he draws really near to him. You see, anytime you go through a major disappointment, a giant after giant, or a major loss, or anything that happens in your life, you're going to experience four emotions. Number one is anger. You're going you're gonna to look at this situation and say, why is this happening to me? And that's natural. The second is grief. You're going to say, what have I lost in all this? And then the third is shock. What am I going to do now? I can't believe this is happening. And then the fourth is fear. What's going to come next? And I think we've talked about these before in the past. I just want to run through that again. And Elijah is traveling through each one of these now. He starts off with anger. Anger. God, I have zealously served you. Nobody else has done what I've done. And now I'm in this place. It feels like he's angry about this situation. Then he moves into grief. I'm the only one that's left. And then there's shock. The queen and everybody at her disposal are out to get me. And then four is fear. Fear that they're going to kill me, God. What am I going to do next? What do you do do when you go through these four things? Like, what what do you do? Here's, Here's what you do. You take it to God. Learn from Elijah. Express your feelings to God and see what God can do. You see, God can handle your emotions. You know why He can handle your emotions? Because He gave them to you. Right? In fact, Scripture reminds us that God, God knows what it's like to be disappointed. He's been, he's been disappointed over and over and over again in Scripture with His people. Right? He knows what that's like. He, he even knows what it's like to feel anger. Even Jesus was angry in the temple. Right? God knows what that's like. You see, I think when we express our emotions to God, what happens is that it opens us up for real communication. And that's what God is after. God, God wants us in a close relationship with him. You know, you know, I was thinking about that story of Jacob. And you remember Jacob wrestling with God. Jacob was going through so much in his life and there's this amazing story of how he was wrestling in the middle, or if you're from South Georgia, he was wrestling in the middle of the night, right? He's wrestling and then he realizes that it's God and then God touches his hip and takes him out of commission is like, stay down, right? But in the middle of all that, he realizes, man, I'm wrestling with, this is, um, this is crazy. And yet God blesses him out of that experience. And you know, when I think about that, Wrestling with God, you know what that means? It means that he had to be really close to God. He had to get really close in order for that to happen. You see, I think that God would rather hear from you. Rather have you voice in those emotions that you're going through, what you're feeling. Right? And wrestling with his will. Rather than you be silent or apathetic or, or just detached. So first thing we got to do is we got to take it to God. The second thing we got to do is we got to trust God when I don't understand. I got to trust God when I don't understand what's going on. Back to that point we talked about a few weeks ago. Ask what, not why. Don't concentrate so much on the why this is happening. Sometimes we don't get to know. We got to ask what is. What can I learn from this? Sometimes we don't get to understand why things are so difficult. Sometimes it doesn't make sense no matter how much we try to wrap our minds around. Sooner or later, what i got to do in those situations where that giant just keeps coming and coming and coming and i got to keep moving and moving is that i just got to learn to trust God. And after pleading with God, you know what? God doesn't give him any answers. God doesn't give Elijah any answers as to why this is being so difficult, why Queen Jezebel is doing this, why he's having to go into hiding. What God does is he starts, he does something interesting. He gives him an order, he tells him what to do. So, this is the Lord's reply. The Lord told him, He said, Elijah, go back the same way you came. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to travel to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be the king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel, em place, to... Re- I was going so good, too. To replace you as my prophet. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. So basically, I love this, Elijah's having this conversation with God, he's expressing everything he's going to, and God says, all right, here's where we're going next, here's what I need you to do, I got all this under control, and half the stuff that God tells him to do, it doesn't make sense, he's anointing a new new king, he's anointing a new prophet, even though he doesn't understand everything God is telling him to do, or why all this stuff happened, or what's coming next, he just has to trust and move forward. You know, there's a famous piece of scripture in Jeremiah 29 11. Some of y'all, you have this written you know, down as a memory verse. You probably have this maybe even as a bumper sticker on your car, and it says this, Jeremiah 29, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not disaster. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Do you know, when God told Jeremiah the prophet these words, that the, the Israelites were moving into something harm. Something was about to happen. They didn't understand. They didn't understand why things were going on or what was about to happen next. And yet, Jeremiah the prophet is saying, listen, God's got a plan. Okay? Don't ask why, ask what. What can we do for God? And what we're going to do is we're going to move forward and we're going to trust That God has a future and a hope that He's gonna bring us through this. So, you know, over and over and over again we see this in scripture. When those things just keep coming, and we feel like we can't be those heroes of faith, and when those giants just keep coming after us, I gotta understand I gotta trust God and I just gotta I gotta keep moving forward, that He has a plan for me. Number three, the third thing I gotta do is that I gotta accept help from other people i got to accept help from others. After God gives Elijah these instructions on what he's supposed to do next, that he, and that he has to trust him through all this, God immediately, what he does is he gives them a partner to do it with. He's like, listen, I, I'm not sending you out alone. I, I'm going to need you to partner up with somebody. And this is the greatest, hack. y'all, this is like the Batman and Robin of Scripture. That was probably way theologically incorrect to say, but I'm going to stick with it. So he sends them. He sends them to get Elisha. Verse 19 says this. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing in the field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Now, this is kind of strange. This is kind of a weird story because it doesn't make sense to us that Elijah would just walk over to this kid plowing in a field and throw his jacket on him and then just keep walking. But this was a sign back then that, that this young guy, Elisha, was supposed to follow after this great prophet. And he immediately took off. And they were inseparable. They went together everywhere. In fact, near the end of Elijah's life, he actually looks at this young guy and he says, listen, I need you to give me some space. God's about to take me away. And Elisha looks at him and says, no way. No way. I'm with you. I'm with you till the very end. And this was the big plan was to bring these two together. You see, the biggest mistakes we make sometimes is that we think that when these giants keep coming, is that we got to face them all up. The, big, the biggest problem is when we feel like we just can't burden anybody. And I come across that all the time. I don't want to bother anybody. You know, I don't want anybody to know. And so what we do in those moments where we're just getting worn down is that we isolate ourselves. And that's a bad idea. You need people in your life. That's why we push these journey groups so much. We want you to connect outside of Sunday mornings and get into a group of people who really know. Who really know what you're going through. And they can help you. Y'all, yesterday we, uh, we dropped off, and I'm not going to talk about it much because I'm going to cry. But we dropped off my, my little girl um, for college. And this is, you know, kind of moving into that empty nest now. And it was so nice to have so many people that we were close to text us yesterday and just to give courage and just to give support uh, because they knew that day was going to be hard. It's it's nice having people to go through life with. And you need that. We were meant for that. We weren't meant to face these giants over and over again all on our own. That's not how you're designed. 1 Thessalonians says this, So encourage each other and build each other up. Got to have a group. Got to have somebody to confide in. Let them help you. You're not bothering them. That's that's why we're here and that's why we're part of this church family. Is to encourage one another. The fourth thing you got to do is you got to be willing to face that future with courage. The courage that God gives you. So Elijah has his marching orders, man. He he is trusting God for these next steps. He has this buddy, Elisha, to go with him. And then by chapter 21, with his life on the line, God tells him that he has to go confront King Ahab. He's got to go confront Queen Jezebel. The ones that are wanting to put him to death, he's got to go deliver a message. And you got to imagine... That, that, that Elijah's probably going, again? Like, really? Haven't I done enough? And yet that's what, we're, that's what we're building to. Look at verse 20. When he finally gets in front of the king and the queen, here's how they, here's how they greet him. So, my enemy, you have found me, King Ahab exclaimed to Elijah. What, what a way to greet him. He says, yes, I have come. And here's his bold statements. Because you, king, have sold yourselves to what is evil in the Lord's sight. So now the Lord says, I'm going to bring disaster on you and consume you. Man. Again, this is what we're building to. Elijah gets to this point where he's at his lowest moment, where he doesn't know how he's going to move forward, what's going to happen yet next. And then we get to this point a couple of chapters later where he's actually confronting the king that wants to kill him. That's a long ways to come in a few chapters. But again, he was trusting God. He had someone with him. He was leaning into the courage that only God could provide. Now, what would happen if Elijah had just given up, though? And just said, you know what? I'm done. That's enough. I'm out. But he didn't do that. And because he didn't do that, not only does he confront the king, not only does he bring God's message to the kingdom, but later on, a chariot of fire is going to come out of heaven and swoop down and pick him up and take him back to heaven. He's only one of two people in Scripture that didn't die but went immediately to see the Lord. He's somebody that we still talk about today because he got back up. And he kept moving forward. You see, I don't know what you're going through right now. Maybe you had the courage at one time but you've been beaten down so much you don't have it anymore. It's just dwindling away. What would happen if you did these four things? What if you went home today? You told God exactly how you feel. What if you stopped... You know, asking why, why, why so much, and you ask what, God, what can you teach me? And I'm going to trust you for the future. Whatever you say next, even though I don't understand it, even though all my questions aren't going to be answered, I'm going to trust you. What if you enlisted a few people that would help you go through life and face this next giant? And what if you took a stand and t- today you say, God, I'm just going to. I'm going to have the courage. I'm going to face the future with the courage that you give me. What would change for you? My prayer for you is in Colossians. It says this. I pray that God's great power will make you strong and that you will have joy as you wait and do not give up. I believe that if you persevere and you trust in God, man, you can be that hero of faith too. Let's pray together. God, we come together before you today with so many different requests. God, so many different things. I know that there are So many in here today with just broken hearts. There are many here that have had things happen in life that just don't seem fair. And honestly, they don't make sense. And God, I just pray that you would lead us as you led Elijah through those difficulties. And as we get up to continue facing those things in front of us, those giants that just seem to keep coming over and over and over again. God, I pray that we would be quick to run to you, that we would confide in you about everything that we're going through, God. God, just just knowing that you're there and wanting to listen to us, God, we're so grateful that you can handle those emotions. God, that you can handle our doubts, that you can handle our pain, that you can handle our fear. So God, as we move forward, God, I just pray that you would surround us with your presence. And I pray, God, that you would surround us with the right people, with the people that can help us. But Jesus, we thank you that you're ultimately in control and that you can turn anything that happens in this life, in this world, God, that you have the ability to turn it into good. So, God, we're just going to trust you with it. We place our lives completely in your hands. Help us to stand up and to face the future with courage. Pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen.